Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Wow, that sounded crappy to me. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) This is TJ Morris with ET Radio. We're doing uh, American Communications Online Broadcasting. It goes right up on Spreaker, which goes right up on YouTube for us. But on Saturdays, apparently it's going to work out, it looks like, between me and Ronnie, getting you all to come over and say, uh, we're going to do a You Ain't Going to Believe This kind of show, Ronnie Dawson of Texas and Teresa J. Morris of Florida. I'm in the panhandle, people ask me. So we're going to do UAP talk shows live. That's unidentified anomalous phenomena. So I guess it doesn't have to be identified to be on here, and it doesn't have to be anomalous, but... It doesn't have to be phenomena, but the UAP is something that uh, somebody out there in algorithm land picked out for me, UAP.associates. I'm the director of it, which basically gives me a WordPress that I have to pay for. (laughs) So uh, we've got that, ACIR Radio, and this Blog Talk Radio we've had for eight years now. So Ronnie Dawson's an author and now a radio co-host because he's actually showed up and and done this now uh, about four or five weeks. So I guess we're going to consider him a regular here on our Paranormal Talk Shows Live. And uh, Janet Kerlesson of Hawaii may show up with one of her stories or whatever. Uh, she's invited. But uh, Ronnie, uh, you said something. I just caught it on Facebook. I have to go find him sometimes to make sure he's going to be here. But you said credo or credo critters or something. Uh, why don't you first introduce yourself and Introduce yourself and tell everybody about you and all that, and uh, I'm going to mute, so I'm going to let you take it away and see how if you can do a full two hours by yourself or if you need me, just holler, okay? Okay, feel free to jump in anytime you want. Uh, this is Ronnie uh-huh. Dust. We're going to do a paranormal show tonight, and I'm um, here high atop my studio on Ranger Hill, and I have a crowd of people with us tonight. This is a live show right here in the... Dawson Radio, so uh, we have a crowd. It may be a little noisy in here from time to time, but tonight we're going to talk about this strange and mysterious cattle critter. It's a little-known Bigfoot sighting uh, that occurred here in north-central Texas. Uh, You know, when when you hear the the name cattle Texas, uh, people don't really, they they think it's out east out there in the swamps, and, and that's where everybody sees the sees the uh, Bigfoot and stuff here in Texas, you know, and Texas isn't really known for having that many Bigfoot sightings, but we actually have quite a few here in Texas, and uh, we have some of the best Bigfoot sightings that that people never heard of here in Texas, and and not so much lately, and I I think uh, lately because it's just, the the population's got to the point we've pushed into the trees, we've pushed into the woods, and, and God only knows where we drove them, but but this stuff has all occurred in our past right here. And uh, Cattle, Texas is a little town. Uh, it's it's only about 15 miles north of where I live. And it's right here in, nestled in north-central Texas in the hill country. It's not anywhere near east Texas where people might think it would be. Because when you hear the name Cattle, Texas, people associate it with Cattle Lake. Now, there is a Cattle Lake 
out in East Texas, and I've actually been there, and it's a swampy, spooky-looking place. It's got moss hanging from the trees, and it's right on the Louisiana border. And But that's not where Cattle, Texas is at. Cattle, Texas is right out here in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in north-central Texas. And uh, and believe it or not, uh, you, a lot of the Bigfoot sightings, people just automatically assume it's out there in the swamps, but it's not. It's right here in north-central Texas, and it's... And uh, there for a while, it just spooked the crap out of everyone in this area. And uh, But the, up here in this area, we have a bunch of old farmers and ranchers, and these are hard-nosed, salt-of-the-earth guys. And and they ain't going to mess with no nonsense like that, you know. So if they don't see it, they're going to try to debunk it. They're going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. I think they were, they were blaming it on uh, – they were blaming this UFO – these uh, Bigfoot sightings on – they said a yak – uh, they thought it might have been a gorilla that escaped from the Fort Worth Zoo. They thought uh, we have a, a train track over here that runs through some canyon country, and sometimes the trains derailed. And, and uh, a lot of the old timers say that it was a gorilla that escaped from a wrecked train that went through the canyon and derailed. You know, but there's no evidence of anything like that happening. But what there is evidence of is people around here are seeing some stuff. And uh, and the crazy thing was it had everybody in this whole countryside scared at one point. I mean, it's to the point it was dangerous to walk up to people's house. And I remember during this this uh, cattle critter sighting time, uh, my parents were actually uh, living out in the, this little commu- community of cattle. And, uh, and I was only like four years old. And my sister was like two years old, and and I remember my dad telling the story that that they were scared to death. They lived out there in the out in the woods and a pretty in a pretty good ways away from town, and they were just scared to death of this thing. They left all the lights on, and and uh, and my dad said they were just scared to death at the time, and everybody in the, everybody in the whole countryside over here was. And uh, my dad told the story. He said. Said we were all in bed asleep. The baby was in there sleeping, and I was in there asleep. And they, he said all of a sudden he heard heard a noise in the living room. He thought, "Oh man, I, I, you know, this cattle critter may be trying to crawl in the house or something." So my my dad got up, and he went in that living room, and he was scared to death. And he had his pistol with him. He said he was shaking so bad he don't know if he could have shot anything with it. And he walked in that living room. He seen uh, he seen that the the wind, a window had been left open, and the wind had been blowing the curtains, and the wind had knocked over a lamp. And he said he seen that, and he was relieved. He's going, oh, okay, all right. So he went over there, and he turned the lamp off, and he and then he got to thinking, I don't want to leave that window open. That cattle critter could crawl in that window, and this is a big old open window with no screen, you know. So he thought, well, you're gonna let that window down. Back then, they had this, uh, they put a stick of wood in there to hold the window up so he pulled that stick of wood out and then he let that window fall well apparently there's a cat sitting in that window sill and that window fell on that cat's tail and that cat went to screaming my dad said he about had a heart attack right there he just knew the cattle career got him you know and he finally realized that 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 window had fell on the cat's tail he pulled the window up and and the cat quit screaming and he had cold chills running up down his back and and uh, it just scared the living daylights out of him. And, and he he told he told uh, my mother he said, "Man, we got to we got to move into town, get out of this place, you know, where these people live." 
But some had been killing the cattle over there, and they don't know. And they found tracks around the ponds and stuff like that, weird-looking footprints. And and they said it, it was almost like and a lot of people were saying it was devil worshippers because something would just tear the cattle's throat out and then not even eat them. And uh, so they were, it really, whatever it was, really had them spooked. And, uh, but I want to talk to you about uh, that. This is a sighting that got the cattle critters started right here. And uh, and it happened way back. It says, Charlie Gant, 72, a local rancher. I'm reading this out of the Abilene Reporter newspaper uh, for 19, let's see, when it was in July. it happened on July 18, 1964, and this was in the Abilene Reporter News a few days later. It said, Charlie Gant, 72, a local rancher, states that he shot at the eight, nine, or ten times with his 22 long rifle revolver. The ape departed the area of his home that night on July 18, 1964. Unclear, but common sense says before the report by by little Jean Couch Nine, who was who was Charlie Gant's neighbor, he reported seeing the ape while walking to the fishing spot that same day. And his mother also stated that something had been fighting with the dogs at night. Again, it is it is unclear, but it seems reasonable to assume she was referring to the night before, even earlier to these events. But something had residents all worked up, and and there are several articles were written on this thing. And uh, and the story about Charlie Gant is is he had a six shooter and he had to reload this thing and they said he said this thing had throw rocks at the house and he went outside and it, and he and he inspired the shots at it he went back in his house and this thing had got on the roof something three or four hundred pounds walking on the roof back then is something you know it's just going to make dust and stuff fall off the ceiling he reloaded his gun again and he ran outside again and shot at it again. And, and and this thing ran off, but this but this same area, you know, the kids they said the kid a kid and his mother, nine years old, were walking back from the fishing hole, or they were walking down to the fishing hole actually, and they the kid seen it. He told his mother, and she seen it, and this thing growled at him, threw rocks at him, and, and then took off in the woods. And uh, so these. You know, and this is the this is a neighbor to uh, Charlie Gant, just right down uh, right down from him. You know, so this is the same area that all this happened, and I know it had the whole area worked up, and uh, and and right there in, in that in that cattle area, there was a there was a school teacher that was driving from Palo Pinto, teaching in Breckenridge, Texas, that drives through cattle every day. One mile from Cattle, Texas, she's seen a hairy creature crossing the road. So, I mean, there's a lot of people seeing this thing. But uh, anyway, so this story this story had everybody shook up at the time. And uh, see, I'm going to read another article here, and it came from the Breckenridge paper. And the, the headlines of this paper in the record says, says gorilla type animal hunted in cattle area. The cattle critter, an unidentified animal, possibly a gorilla, whose reported appearance this Saturday caused cattle area residents to arm themselves to the teeth, was not seen Sunday night. 
everyone who has reported seeing the critter has given the same description to the sheriff's department. Everybody has said the thing is about seven feet tall, four feet wide, and covered with hair, said Miss Allen Roberts, reporter news correspondent at Caddo. Stevens County Sheriff Chase Booth at the Texas Highway Patrol joined with some 10 to 12 residents of the community, 14 miles east of here Saturday night, in a search for the animal, first reported seen early Saturday evening. A cattle resident had had unloaded his gun at the critter about 11.30 p.m. Saturday, but apparently failed to kill it. So, theorized that the wandering animal might be an escape from a game preserve, which has been maintained on Possum Kingdom Lake by, by the late F. Kirk Johnson of Fort Worth. So, like I said, everybody was armed to the teeth and scared to death at the at this time of this thing is roaming around out here in the hill country, and uh, and, it, and then it was it was several years later. Uh, I was a, I was a sophomore in high school. And this is this was like 1977 in in October, and I and I at that time I had an old Chevy a 51 Chevy Lamb pickup. And, uh, and, and me and a friend of mine is off in this same canyon country. It's up here closer to Ranger. And I was going to I was going to Ranger High School up here at the time. And uh, and this buddy of mine, his granddad happened to be Owen Rose. Now Owen Rose, he owned some land off down this canyon country, and he leased uh, a bunch of the other land down there. And he had lots and lots of cattle. And uh, it was a rare privilege that that his son, uh, Carol, had asked the old man if we could trap. There wasn't anybody trapping down there. At this time, uh, pellets were pretty high, and uh, and we were doing some trapping off down in there. We went off down in there and set some traps and stuff. And uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I was playing football and stuff, so uh, we had to, I had to work out a schedule with him. We couldn't both be there. Every afternoon. So uh, what would happen was uh, I would I would run the traps in the morning, which I'd go uh, shoot the animals, take them out of the traps, and if it was a skunk, I'd shoot it and leave it in the trap, and then we'd air out all day, and he'd take it out in that in the afternoon when he went out there. So here I am driving this old pickup, and and I'm having to get up like four o'clock in the morning and go off down in this canyon, and uh, at this time, you know, in this old canyon country. You know, I I was not I was young and and not afraid of anything. I knew the most dangerous thing in that woods is me with a gun. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of anything at that time. So I headed off down in that woods every morning without a look of fear. You know, I had a gun and anything I was afraid of. Now, Owen Rose, he had an older son, and and we had heard the story and we kind of laughed it off. And uh, that old cattle critter story, we just kind of laughed it off too. We didn't really much believe it. And I was like, well, I don't know what it was. We don't know what it was, but it certainly wasn't what they're trying to say. It was a seven, eight foot creature, four feet wide. Nothing like that would it even be possible. And if we did believe something like that, there's no way you'd be able to go trapping uh, off down in the woods at night. And uh, so we just kind of laughed it off. But one of, one of the stories that, uh, Owen's family told was uh, Owen had this older son. He was much older than us, and he had already left home and stuff when we were doing all this. But uh, this guy, he grew up out there. You know, he helped Owen with the cattle. He went down there. He deer hunted. He trapped back in the day. And uh, 
and this guy, you know, he was an outdoorsman, you know, and he would be growing up in that environment. So, but anyway, they, he told a story. He was he was down there hunting one afternoon, and he hadn't seen anything. So he was walking back to his truck, and it was very late in the afternoon, almost getting dark on him. I know when you're deer hunting, you try to get every every bit out. Every bit of daylight you can, because right before dark is when the and the deer come out. So then you got to walk back to your pickup. A lot of times you're having to walk in the almost dark. So he finally gave up on the deer hunting. He's making his way back to the pickup. And anyway, he was he's walking there and he's still carrying his gun and he he got a shell in it too because he's if he if he runs on no deer it pops out he's ready to shoot it. So he's walking back to his truck and he heard something behind him. And he turned around, and, and there's this big hairy thing, and it's so close enough to him, it's actually reaching for him. And, man, he spun that gun up, and he pulled the trigger on that gun, and it went off. And then he's he's freaking out, trying to run backwards, tripping, trying to reload the gun, and this thing takes off. And it, it takes off, and it and it runs off back into the woods. Well, he you can imagine this guy shook up after seeing this. So he comes home and he tells his dad Owen about this, and and Owen he he's an old rancher. He you know he don't know what to think. You know this kid's not crazy and he don't make up stories. So Owen don't know what to think. But you know some, when something down there dies, oh, oh Owen finds it because of the of the buzzards. The buzzards will be circling. If you kill something down there or something dies, the buzzards is the first thing that they'll tell you where it's at. And it, this is a lot of land to hunt to look. You can't just you just can't go find a sick animal or something, you know. So, I mean, so he, Owen goes down there and he's looking for buzzards circling and there's nothing. There's nothing dead, uh, nothing dead that, it doesn't appear to be anything dead. So he, he goes to the area the kid's talking about and he finds a gun case in there on the ground and he finds the blood on the ground. And so Owen starts following this blood trail thinking, well, you know, I'll probably find it. It'll be dead down here or something. It's, but it's, it's not a real bad blood trail, but it's definitely bleeding. And so Owen tracks it down to this uh, Sandy Creek crossing. And when he gets to the Sandy Creek crossing, when he sees it, he says it's the strangest foot tracks he's ever seen. And, and Owen, he's one of those guys, he could see a foot track. He could, he sees a footprint. He could tell you what it is, you know, tell you if it's a coon, if it's a possum, you know, what it is. He's a very good tracker, and he he's seen this thing. He said, I don't know never seen anything made tracks like that and that's what owen that was owen's assessment of it well we you know we weren't worried about it we laughed this stuff off we didn't think anything about it and uh, i'm down there every every morning at 4 a.m walking through the woods uh checking these traps well you know first thing i know is we're we're in some prime trapping country here in north central texas i mean and we're down there we've got uh, we probably got 12 to 15 traps, something like that. I can't remember for sure, but but I know we wouldn't. We should have had a whole lot more animals than we did. We wouldn't catching anything, and I kept finding these sticks. It was almost like somebody was walking up there and taking a stick and poking it in the trap and setting the trap off, and then uh, then all the bait's gone out of it, and uh, it was quite frustrating. You know, we wouldn't. The whole point of us doing this was to make some money. And uh, and this is prime country to be catching animals, and we weren't catching anything. And it was quite frustrating for us. 
And so uh, we're talking it over. So you know what? Uh, so we're going to have to just move some of our traps or something because we ain't having any luck. And uh, and a lot of the animals we were catching, uh, and the reason we're running the traps twice a day is because if you're trapping it, if you leave an animal in the trap too long, it'll actually chew its own leg off. And then the pails ain't hardly worth anything. They dock you real bad on the pails. So you have to... You have to get the animals out of the trap quickly, uh, or or the pelt gets run. And so we're running it like you're supposed to twice a day. And and, and a lot of the animals we ran their legs. It was almost like they chewed their legs off. But you know, thinking back to me, it seemed like something's pulling their legs off, like something's grabbing these grabbing these animals and just dragging them out of the trap. You know, like another animal came along and just pulling their legs out, not like they chewed their leg off. Uh, but it's frustrating, man, because we're having some expensive animals that we could have made a lot of money off of, and all I've got in my trap is a leg. You know, so we're pretty frustrated that we're not catching anything, and the ones we are catching are getting ruined or stolen or whatever. So it was uh, pretty frustrating for us. So we decided we were going to meet up one weekend uh we went down there and we're gonna move some traps around and stuff and uh and, and it's not very often both of us got to go down there at the same time. So uh me and my buddy we're down there together and his pickup and we we get the traps moved and stuff like that. So all right, all right, you know, now we'll see if we can do any better and we said, Well, you know, in October down here, it's it's prime bullfrog season, and we'd already been by some stock ponds, and and uh, we had already shot some big old bullfrogs, and you can fry up them frog legs, and they are really good. Uh, they kind of taste like chicken, <laughs> but uh, they're really a delicacy down here, a southern delicacy down here. So, uh, said so you know what? Said, uh, said man, we ought to go up to this. There's another pond up in this area that you can't even get to by truck the roads all washed out so you literally have to walk up there and the reason we don't trap up there is because it's just too far it's just too far to walk it takes too much time to get back there to it uh, but we got everything done and there was still some daylight left and we decided well let's you know let's go to that little pond up there the frog pond we call it let's go up there and see if there's some frogs up there you know we got our guns we got two twenty two uh automatic rifles so we walk up there we're going to check this pond out see if we can get some more bullfrogs maybe get enough to have a cookout so uh, me and my buddy we parked the truck as close as we can but it's still i know it's got to be at least uh i want to say probably half a mile that you're gonna have to walk up this old road to this pond and so we got our guns and we're shooting the crap and we're walking up here to the pond and once we get up to the pond, one of the things we notice is there's just thousands of little frogs, but there's no bullfrogs anywhere, no big frogs. All the big frogs are gone. And this pond is so full of these little frogs that you could literally just sit there beside it and catch them with your hand. I mean, there's just tons and tons of them, you know. I mean, you can sit there and eat frogs all day long and not catch them all. They're just jumping all over the place. Not one big frog to be found, and we were talking about wonder where all the big frogs are at i can't imagine you know we're and we were real quiet sneaking up to the pond but we didn't want to spook the frogs so we snuck up there and seen all these little frogs and we start talking then that was we we didn't spook any big frogs so now we're start talking out loud 
So we're having this conversation wondering where all the mamas and daddies at. You know, all we got is these thousands and thousands of baby little frogs here in this pond. And and that's just not right. But we start talking loud. And the next th- first thing we hear is this scary roar. And I mean, I don't never heard anything roar like this, man. It's, it's like a growl roar. And, uh, and man, we spoke this both. We looked over, and this thing was close. It was probably 50 yards away, you know. And you could tell whatever it was, it was big and deep. And it made this loud roar. And I said, my God, man. And we... And we got it, started getting our guns. We took our guns off safety, and I'm like, okay, what in the heck is this? And the next thing I know, you could see, you could see the brush moving. You could see the trees, and I'm talking mesquite trees, and and we got some evergreen trees over here, and there's something like pushing its way through. The, you ever see that movie, Mighty Joe Young? That's exactly what it looked like. There's something so big moving through them trees that you can literally see the trees shaking. And then all of a sudden we hear the cracking, a large cracking of a branch. Like it is a big branch just got cracked and like tore off a tree. And and we're just, oh man, whatever this thing is, it's big, it's mean, it's pissed off, and it's coming right towards us. And so we start backing up. And I'm sitting here, with, I got two guns. We got two guns, you know, and I'm like, I ain't afraid of nothing. Whatever it is, we're going to shoot it. <laughs> Whatever's coming out of this damn woods, we're fixing to kill it. And and I told my buddy, he said, all right, man, you get ready. Take aim. And we, you know, let's say, say, get ready. You know, this thing just keep moving. You can see it moving through the trees, and it's almost moving into sight. And there's one big evergreen tree between us and it and the side of where this pond is. And this thing stops. And and I'm sitting there going, get ready, man, get ready. I dropped to one knee to get a better, I dropped to one knee so I could get a better aim at it. And I'm sitting there, I don't want I don't want to shoot it until I can identify it. I just don't want to blindly shoot at what we're seeing, which is bits and pieces of it. I don't want to take a chance on it being something that shouldn't be shot. And I respect, you know, this old man's property enough not to accidentally shoot one of his cows or something like that. So I'm not going to shoot until I see exactly what this thing is. And my buddy, he's sitting there, and he's he's got his gun loaded, too. We're sitting there looking at it, and this thing is moving behind this tree. Now, you can see now that whatever this thing is, it is like eight feet tall. It's four feet wide, and I can't see the head on it. I'm just waiting to see the head on it. This thing is moving from side to side. It looks like it's got shoulders and arms on them, and uh, and I'm going, my God, what in the hell is that? And 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 finally, my buddy, he said, I'm out of here, and, and he takes off, and I'm going, no man, hold your ground, hold your ground, and he's just gone, he's gone, and I'm going, crap, man, I just lost half of my fighting force. <laughs> he took off to the truck, so I'm sitting here, and I'm not knowing exactly what to do, and I, and I'm not. I'm not retrieving, and I'm looking at this thing, and it's looking at me, and it's moving from side to side, almost like you can't get a good look at its head on one side of the tree, then it moves its head to the other side, and what I'm looking at looks like a shoulder of a giant football player that's got this brown hair on it and on both sides. I can't get a clear view of the arm, but I can see the crease of the arm and the shoulder and the, and the biceps of this thing, and it looks just like a giant human with hair on it. But this thing is eight feet tall, and, and my God, it's wider than the tree. 
and uh, I'm going, oh man, you know, this is not, and, and then it, the, and I'm going, man, I, whatever is going to happen here, I could tell I don't have enough gun to handle this guy. Whatever this thing is, I ain't. I've got a 22 automatic, in, which is you shoot something like this with a 22 automatic, you're just gonna piss it off. And uh, so I'm sitting there realizing, man, I, I ain't got near the gun to handle whatever the hell this thing is. So I start trying to back out of there, and, and it, it occurs to me that my friend is scared. He's headed for the pickup. Now, how scared is he? I don't know how scared he is. He may jump in that truck, and he may haul ass and go to town for help and leave me stranded out there with this damn thing. I don't know. So I'm like, I'm scared of what this thing is going to do to me if I run for fear it might give chase. So I'm backing away slowly. I'm keeping my gun aimed at it. So I'm backing up. And then I'm thinking at the same time, my buddy, I hope he's there. I hope he don't jump in that pickup and take off and leave me down here stranded with this thing. And so I have all these thoughts racing to my head. I'm backing out slowly, keeping aim at this thing. And finally, I start backing this thing out of sight where I can't really see it. But I'm still scared because I'm afraid this thing is going to come for me, come at me. And all of a sudden, I hear the the, the bushes rattle to the side of me. Boy, I spun around thinking it's trying to flank me. And I didn't see anything. And the, and, the, and the brush is so thick that you can't see anything in it. I mean, it's just really thick. And it was like, I can't imagine anything being in there, especially anything as big as that thing is. So I can't imagine what's making that sound. So I'm looking back and forth. I'm backing out, backing out. And I really want to just turn to run, but I'm afraid that if I run, it's just going to it's gonna see me turn my back and come at me. So I'm still backing up further, quicker. Then all of a sudden... The brush off to me rattles again, and I spin around again thinking something's going to flank me a second time, and this time there's a huge rock. It's got to be half the size of a bowling ball. comes rolling out of the trees, and I realize whatever this thing is is throwing rocks, and I mean not little rocks. These are big rocks. I mean, a person couldn't throw a rock that far, and this is a rock. comes rolling out of the trees at my feet, and I'm going, whatever this sun gun is is throwing boulders at me. So at this time, I just I seen this throwing boulders at me, and I don't get a good, I don't see it ch- giving any chase. So I just turn, I grab my rifle, and I go running. And I hope that when I get down there, I could. My friend is waiting for me down there in that pickup, and he hadn't and he hadn't hauled ass to town, which is what I'm afraid. So I I'm running down there, and I I never been so happy to see a blue pickup in my whole life. That old blue pickup was sitting there running. He was sitting. There. <laughs> And I didn't waste any time, man. I just kept running down there, and I grabbed my gun, and I jumped in that thing. And uh, I don't even know if we even spoke leaving that thing, man. It was like, uh, I, you know. Now, he didn't see. You know, his. he didn't see as much as I did, you know. I sat there. This thing kept. It, it, when, when he took off, it hadn't quite got to that last tree to where you could get a good look at his shoulders and arms like I did. So his story is a little bit different than mine, but my story, you know, I seen that thing moving from side to side, and uh, it was a, it was several years later. There's a movie came out called Gorillas in the Mist, and there's one of them big silverback gorillas was moving his head from side to side, hiding behind a tree, and and it, it sent cold chills in my back because that gorilla was doing the same thing I saw this thing doing, like it was looking around that tree with its right eye. And then it would go to the left side of the tree and look around with its left eye. And 
and it and I was like, whatever this thing, it was very gorilla like. And there's a, I was at a, I was at a little paranormal conference down here in Granbury, Texas, and I wish I could remember this guy's name. He's a Texas Bigfoot hunter. You've heard of him. He wears, he wears that big uh, leather hat. He's on TV a lot, and I and I told him the story, and. Uh, and he, he he found me later and called me over and, and he showed me a picture. He said he said when, because because what happened it was man I tried to get my buddy to go. I really wanted to go back to this area and I wanted to get a bigger gun and go back. My friend he didn't want no part of it. He didn't want to go down there. He didn't. But I wasn't about to go down there by myself. So it took me about three or four days to finally convince him to let's get some deer rifles and go back down here and do some further investigating of what this thing is and if we confront it again. Maybe things would be a little different. So we, four days later, we went back down there and we had deer rifles this time instead of 22s. And I went down there and I I found this branch that this thing had tore off. And we looked for tracks, but this old ground was so hard baked that it wouldn't hardly leave a track. Uh, I mean, you couldn't. It wouldn't leave much of a track anyway. It's just hard baked. By this Texas sun down here, it was so hard back that it wasn't going to leave any kind of a track. I didn't really get the, the kind of tracks I had hoped to find. We went over to where the branches tore off, and there was a branch. It was a huge branch tore off a mesquite tree. Now, these mesquite trees are tough. You ever tried to tear a small branch off one? You know how much strength it takes just to pull a small branch off. Well, this thing had pulled a huge branch off this mesquite tree. And then it had taken that mesquite limb and it had twisted the it had twisted the smaller limbs around it like a baseball bat that was probably six feet long. And uh so I was like, Whatever did this just took that limb and just twisted it and just stripped uh, stripped that limb the smaller limb to the point where there wasn't any thorns or leaves or nothing on it. It was just a vine wrapped around the big stem of the branch and and anyway so I went down this paranormal, and I told uh, I told that uh, Bigfoot hunter about that, and he found me later, and he, he he showed me a picture. He said, "Did that that branch you found that it, that it tore off? Did it look like this?" And he had a picture that looked just like it. There's something that tore a branch off and then twisted the vine around it. And I said, "Yeah," I said, "That almost looks like exactly the same branch that was laying there." And he said, "Well, he got this off another case," and he said, "It seems to be something they do, you know." No, uh, they be they, like they said. But I, I, while we were there, I said, well, you know, we didn't. I, I went up in the trees where we heard the first roar, and there there was a hill there, and there was a rock that was kind of buried in the hill, and it was kind of an undercut underneath it, like it was almost. It wasn't a cave, but it was kind of like a overhang. And I had looked in there, and this thing was stacked with the mesquite branches, dried mesquite branches, and all the thorns had been taken off. It's like meticulously, meticulously taken off. There, were, You couldn't find a thorn on any of that stuff. It looked like something had took the time to pick every thorn off every branch and then had just stacked them in there. And it would almost made like a nice bed up underneath this rock overhang that something had made in there. And I was like, there's no way uh, running water or anything like that could have washed all them branches up in there. It's almost like whatever this thing was had made it a nice little bed up underneath there. And, uh, and like, it was probably just going to hang out there and eat some frogs for a while. <laughs> you know, so. But we were, like, just amazed that this thing, uh, 
that we encountered this thing, you know, my friend to this day, he don't much talk about it. You know, I told the story for a long time, and uh, and nobody really, nobody gave me the time of day or believe it or anything, you know. So it was years had went by, and I just stopped telling it. Nobody believed it. Yeah, nobody nobody would believe anything you said back then. It was like, well, you got no proof, you got no pictures, you got no dead carcass, you got, you know. And uh, so I, I just quit telling the story. Uh, but I'm a UFO experiencer, and I was at the Roswell UFO Festival, and I, and I found a couple of other people there. And uh, and I thought, that is pretty cool, you know, to sit here with the UFO, another UFO experiencer, alien experiencer, be in the same room with them. Because uh, it's pretty rare for that to happen, then to get to actually spend time with some of these people. Well, I don't know what had happened, but somehow or another Bigfoot had come in the conversation. And I said, well, you know, actually, I'm one of those guys I've seen a big. Not only did I see a UFO, not only did I encounter an alien, I, at one point in my life I did see a Bigfoot. I saw the Bigfoot way before I ever seen my first UFO uh, years, years before I ever seen my first UFO, I had that Bigfoot experience. And then the other two people said, yeah, they're UFO experiencers. They had Bigfoot sightings as well. And I thought, man, both of you, you know, how rare is it that uh, someone sees a UFO? How rare is it that someone that's seen a UFO actually sees a Bigfoot? And how rare that three of such people would end up in the same room and having a conversation? You know? So I'm like, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be more to this than just coincidence. And so we're sitting there talking to these people, and I'm not realizing, well, you know, on a, on a show called uh, Monster Castle Paranormal, uh, show, uh, Wolfman Mike is a buddy of mine, and he had a guy on there, and he told me, he said, man, you got to hear, you got to hear this new guy, this guy named Bruce May. This guy named Bruce May. He's an Anunnaki, and he claims to be a, an, an Anunnaki, like, I don't know, it was like they, they had cloned somebody that was Anunnaki, and they said when he was a kid, his parents had to, they had to literally cut the tips off his ears so he'd appear normal. And this guy, he said when he, when he turned seven years old, he had total recall of all the different lives he had lived and different planets he had lived on. And, uh, and 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 part of his experience was he said that uh, in his home planet uh, the Anunnaki had they had rescued a bunch of the gray aliens that people see all the time, and they had uh, allowed them to live on their planet, and they had chosen to live underground where they wouldn't bother anybody, and they had cities and stuff underground, and ever and supposedly everybody had got along great, and they said they completely trusted them, helped them every way in the world they could. And he said, out of the blue, one day, he said, the, the ground erupted, and these huge, these huge shafts came sticking up out of the ground, and just thousands and thousands of these gray aliens came pouring out, and they had weapons, and they just declared war on them and t- took over their planet. He said, but not only were the little gray aliens with these powerful weapons, he said they had these big feet, these Bigfoot creatures that came up, and they were the muscle to the to the grays. He said that they work together, they're part of the same bunch, and he said and there was just this thousands and thousands of little gray aliens with guns and these thousands and thousands of these Bigfoots that are monstrously strong and fast, and they're declaring war on this 
peaceful civilization, and, and they said they you know, abandoned the planet, and they nuked it to kill everyone. And he said, this planet's Mercury. He said that was their home. And it was like, man, it, it'd be pretty cool to see uh, to go explore Mercury at some point and see if we can find any evidence of something happening like this over there. But he said they destroyed the whole planet, was what Bruce, Bruce May's story was. And he talked about how the Bigfoot and the Greys were in it together, and they lived in the underground. And a lot of times I just wonder, you know, if that ain't the true story. You know, how these people that have seen UFOs have also encountered Bigfoot. So that, I think that, to some degree, that would explain some of this. And I find it quite amazing that, you know, that he told this story. And, uh, but I mean, it scared the whole... That whole sighting, this whole area was just lit up, you know. And now, I, I talk to the people nowadays, they don't know anything about it, you know. <laughs> they don't have any, anything. I want to, just to kind of give you, I want to read another article here. And this is from, let me see if I can get a better look here. This is from Tuesday, July 21st, 1964. This is coming from the Adelaide Reporter News. It said, it said cattle was a blaze light Monday night. Several residents of this former boomtown sat on their sat on their doorsteps with guns, awaiting the appearance of the critter. The critter, described by several as seven feet tall and eight black, failed to show up this time. Among those who sat up were Charlie Gaunt, who saw the uh, monstrosity both Saturday and Sunday night and fired ten shots at it. Two new points came evident to the as cattle citizens congregated at the general store and filling station to talk about the critter or ape. The people in East Stevens County were generally concerned, if not scared. Area residents began seeing the critter approximately two weeks before they became worried enough to report the mysterious marauder. Joe Roberts, reporter news correspondent who visited Cattle Monday night, said that every yard was lit up with outside lights and that the populace is armed. They were setting up last night to to school what to uh, shoot whatever it was. Miss Roberts said no one was roaming about at night, though it's somewhat dangerous. She said people say to, people stay on their own property. If it's a prank, it's a highly dangerous one. Someone could get killed. Miss Roberts said. Deputy Sheriff Edgar Martin, who patrolled the area Monday night with the game warden, said said no doubt that they're seeing something, but we don't know what it is. The theory that the critter is an ape escaped from Possum Kingdom Lake Game Preserve has been discounted by the game caretaker there. <laughs> he said he had no recollection of such an animal ever being there. A few people also have voiced that throughout that it might be a bear, but no one seems to know. One factor has been noted about the critters wanderings. It has been sighted as early as in the day as 2.30 p.m. and in the hours of the darkness at 2 a.m. So you can imagine. Uh, and, you know, back then, people want, don't just make up stuff. You know, you're, uh, they're not just going to make up something like that and be criticized for it, you know. Back then, your word meant something. Uh, you could be a, denied a loan. Uh, based upon your the public's opinion of you, you know, so you're not just going to make up a wild story like that, and especially not an old rancher like Charlie Gant. You know, this is old guy. Uh, 
this old guy, he was uh, dead serious about what he had seen. He had got a good look at it, and he had shot shot at it se- several times. And he and he's not the kind of guy that just shoot anything crawling around. And what be crawling around in his house out in the middle of nowhere, and throwing rocks at his house and harassing the dogs. And and it wasn't and it wasn't the only place. You know, there was a there was a I think there was seventy miles from here. There was other sightings. Uh, there was one over by Holly, Holly, Texas, where there was a couple of boys working over there, and they, and they, and they, something threw rocks at the boys and it hit the boys with rocks, and then they saw it come out of the out of the woods, and uh, and they come out of the woods, come out of the woods, roaring at them and throwing rocks at them, and they took off, and it took off. And uh, this was like 70 miles away, you know. So then, and, and then down at Coma, Texas, I think uh, Teresa shared a story uh, here the other day about this woman down at Coma that said that that the, said the blacks had gotten off in her garden. They lived way out in the middle of the country, and the, and the blacks had went out there and stole vegetables out of her garden. She washed them from her kitchen window. But the problem is, is in Coleman County at that time, they probably didn't have a handful of blacks, and they certainly weren't going to be out in the middle of nowhere trying to steal vegetables out of, <laughs> out of a garden. And even her, even her husband admitted that, and he said whatever it was was upright on two feet, and there were several of them. It was a, like a whole family of them. And he said two great big ones, and then some smaller ones, and, and they were just helping themselves to a vegetable garden out there, so. You know, you get all these sightings out here, and in uh, and, and this whole area, people seeing stuff, but they don't know what it is. You know, so it, it was it was a pretty wild encounter, and uh, you know, the encounter is kind of dying because people just don't talk about it anymore, and a lot of people around here don't know about it. You know, so it it's fun to bring it back up from time to time, and and uh, and, and that buddy that I used to that I used to trap with, he's actually working down in there, and he's working on a. Uh, there's a big ranch down there now, and he actually lives down there and works down there every day. And and I talked to him here the other day, and and I've asked you know he, it's almost like he's tried to block that out of his mind. It's almost like he don't want to have to deal with it, you know. Yeah. But I'm gonna corner him at some point, and I'm gonna make him talk about it. It's like he don't want to remember it. He don't want to talk about it. Uh, it's something you can't forget. I mean, I can't forget it. Uh, but it's funny, you know. And I almost did forget. Well, where are you? Are you in a big cafe, a restaurant, or bar? I heard people clapping when you started. Where did you go somewhere? You're not here. No, no. I, I'm here. I just got a bunch of guests over here tonight, listening to the show. At your house? Yes. <laughs> So yeah, we got the Ronnie Dawson show yeah. at his house. Yeah. Dawson yeah, Radio. Live. And then some of that squawking you hear is we got us a new parrot, and, and he's trying to chime in sometimes, too. Cool. Well, you said you did that sometimes on Saturday, so I guess you can keep this up. Well, that's good. Well, it'll be right here. Uh, TJ Morris ET Radio has been around for eight years, but we've got UAP Associates, but I'll put this on ACIR Radio, too. And this goes out all over. I pay extra to get it out distributed, you know, on Spotify. We Spreaker will have it up. It will even be on YouTube, Ronnie. So uh, 
uh, I, I sent you a little email, but, uh, you know, people can go back and listen to your stories, even on uh, up there on YouTube. So I'll have to figure out which ones they go to. American, uh, let's see, I think yours goes to UAP.associates or UAP. The associates, uh, and some of them go out on American Communications Online Broadcasting. So uh, but yeah. we'll get it all figured. They can just put your name in, and you ain't going to believe this, and it'll probably make a list because I checked it out. <laughs> well, I'm running out of stories to tell. <laughs> well, ask some of your people to come over to your – or just pass yourself. Yeah, that's what I was telling them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start dragging people over here with the mic. Like tell some stories. <laughs> well, whatever you want to do, I'll, uh, uh, Janet came on, but you was in the middle of the story, so she left. So she figured you, you, you had it covered. So she didn't even know you had people at your house that could help you too. But that's good because if you run out of one or need a break or water, just pass it over, and then when you get ready, grab it back, like. Uh, President Trump does. You know, he always gets the mic back. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll mute. Yeah, I got but a lot of people here. Job. Job. Security cats. Yeah, there's security cats. Yeah, you know, you got two hours. Well, you got one hour and 11 minutes left. So remember, I told you the way I got this job back with Revolution, I talked two hours by myself. <laughs> it's still out there on uh, YouTube. You can find it. So, All right. Well, you're. Uh, I'm on mute again. So you still got <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll see if I can get some of these guys to come over here. Who do y'all wants to come on the air? Come on, Jared. <laughs> We're live on Blog Talk Radio. Well, tell them, tell them what they can do is just tell us their name and where they're from, like I do my psychic reading stories or UFO interviews or author nights. We got if they write a book, if they're an author. But if you know if they're just a truck driver or whatever, but you know it's it's we yeah, know that you don't believe this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know these people are shy. They're, <laughs> they're shy. They're afraid to be famous. Yeah. Well, just tell them to use their first name, and you know we know they're <laughs> at Texas at your house, so ain't nobody gonna come looking, you know, unless you got a local Dairy Queen where they know. <laughs> or something, but you know, unless you tell them where you're at on YouTube or out on, you know, out on the internet, they're not gonna go hunting for them. What you know, but it is fun to have them live so people can. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we uh, right. we might have some people pop in here in a little while. Yeah, and, uh, well, just tell them from time to time if they think of, of one and they can go back and hear their voice. Tell them in the beginning, you know, when they're first new is the best time to get on because it's fun. They'll get used to hearing their voices out there on the radio or, you know, where I post it on Facebook or, you know, it just goes out all over. Spotify, Stitcher, FM radio, all kind of podcasting out there. iTunes, yeah. uh, What's the Heart, they've heard of Yeah, we do so, get some. That is, we got We're Amy Kisner with us, and she is the head cheerleader of Ranger High School. And uh, she was the girl that we were telling you about that got shoved across the, the floor last week in the paranormal experience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah remember we were well, talking about the old woman that had lived here in the house, and she died right over by that window. And actually, yeah. we got some people sitting right over where the old woman had died right now. They're kind of freaking out, like, oh my God. <laughs> 
and they're yeah. looking at well, they right? Well, good. Ghost stories are good stories. You know, we like ghost stories, <laughs> but tell them, you know, just and anyway, they say, well, the old woman likes everybody here, but he doesn't. He doesn't like this one girl named Evie Kinner. And we did, and uh, and Evie was sitting there with her legs crossed on this coffee table, and uh, she said, "Well, I don't like her either. Screw her!" And then all of a sudden, we seen her go flat across the floor. <laughs> and it's pretty rare that she, we just happen to have her with us here tonight, so we can just we can get it straight from her what it felt like to get. What was okay? Come on in here, Evie. Uh, what was you uh, thinking right before that happened? I mean, we were talking about the old woman. Do you feel like the old woman doesn't like you? Yes. Why do you think she doesn't like you? Because she pushed me off the table. <laughs> That's pretty obvious, but do you feel like she generally stays at the house and then do you ever see shadows moving or anything weird here at the house? I hear knocking on my closet. Knocking on your closet? Mm-hmm. Wow, just out of the blue? Mm-hmm. Wow. And I didn't tell you the the room you're sleeping in. I actually seen shadow figures before. So <laughs> I never told you that until now. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but you were sitting there. We were talking about the old woman said she didn't like you, and then you said something very rude towards the old woman. Mm-hmm. Do you remember exactly what that was? Um, I said that. Oh, what did I say? Oh. <laughs> uh, try not to cut. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't very nice. It was like, screw you or, or something like that. Screw that old yeah. bitch, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And then what happened? And then um, I just felt like I really don't know how to explain it. Did it feel like you shoved or did it feel like you just exploded off it? No, it was definitely a shove. It was like something just shoved you off the spot you were sitting, and you slid across the floor. How far did you slide across the floor? Um, how far do you think that is? God, that's like 15 feet. <laughs> it's like 15 feet. <laughs> did it hurt you? Did it bruise you? No. No, you wouldn't hurt. Uh uh-uh. It just did. It feel like it was a like a pinpoint shove, or like it just hit your whole body, side of your body. Um, it hit like the middle of my chest. Oh, the middle of your chest. Mm-hmm. And just like boom, across the floor you went flying. Mm-hmm. Wow. Have you ever had anything like that happen before? Nope. No. Mm-mm. Nothing since, huh? No. So how do you feel about the old woman now that she shoved you like that? Do you do you like her now? No. no? <laughs> Are you afraid of her? Mm, yes and no. Do you feel like it's an evil entity? No, but I feel like when she's uh, antagonized, she can be. Oh, like she rude. can like she can more, do more than just be a ghost. Like she can uh, do poultry. Well, how do you? Yeah, go ahead. Do you? Yeah, go ahead. I can hear yeah. you. I say I can hear you, but I'm not hearing anything. You sound uh, like you're trying to do something. I'm sorry. Do you have any questions for Evie? You got New York. I, I turned New York on. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can yes, hear you. Hi. Okay. New York, did you want to say hi to Ronnie or you got a story for him? Uh, for I us? like Teresa. 
Is Teresa Morris available? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, she's available. Hi, we're telling stories. This is Ronnie Dawson. Is this Anna from New York? Anna. Yes, it is. How are you? Hi, Anna. What are you doing today? We're just, Ronnie's got this new show out of Texas. He's got a lot of people over his house, and they're telling all kinds of stories. But uh, glad to hear you, Anna, that you showed up today out of New York, folks. This is Anna. She's been around a long time, about eight years. <laughs> I was, well, yeah. Get out with us. Yeah, exactly. Just have some fun with you. What are you guys talking about today? Uh, we have a girl with us, Evie Kisner, who uh, experienced a poltergeist shoving. We had a, a ghost <laughs> actually shoved her across the living room floor in front in full of front what? of six. And we're curious her about that. So, we're, do y'all have any questions y'all would like to ask her? About what it's like to be attacked by a paranormal entity? No way. I don't believe in that. Sorry, I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> she didn't believe in it either. <laughs> I'm going to hang up now. Okay, Anna, I love you. Call us on Thursdays. That's your type of show. Yeah, this is too far-fetched. <laughs> okay, call us back. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> too far That's for why her. we call it You Ain't Gonna Believe This. I know it. It's not for everybody. You know what? She calls in on Psychic, and she likes to have her cards read, and she's a, she's a pretty cool chick. I like her a lot. So She's been with me a long time. Very well, you know, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of the Bigfoot people, they don't want to, like, uh, they don't believe in ETs and stuff. And, you know, know. a lot of paranormal, paranormal thought, people, they don't believe in Bigfoot. So it's it's kind of yeah, like it's really you, interesting. you you got three different groups and none of them believe in the other. I know. It's amazing. There's probably plenty more than that. So I don't know. You know, paranormal is sort of the big holding thing. But, folks, we have different days for different things. And, uh I sort of think this one's fun, like sitting around a campfire back when I was a kid, you know, or going to Girl Scouts. And we were trained that way, sit around fire and stay out in the woods and tell ghost stories, you know. But then I know it does it does make some people feel weird because it makes the hair go up on the back of their head or some of the primitive neuropsychological conditions. That, you know, we're very primitive in these biological skins or meat suits, right? So we get it, you know, and, and that's that's part of us uh, because we have that part of our brain that keeps us alive, you know, for all these many, many millions of years. And, you know, so we like to find out things, and I think it's fun. But, uh, well, Ronnie, you keep going. Remember Burr Rabbit. I always compare it to, uh, well, we can do the Fay Magic, too. There's a lot of shows we could talk about television shows. There's Supernatural out there and, uh, you know, all kind of paranormal ghost shows and uh, spooked houses, spooked hotels, New Orleans, all kind of places. But this show has a lot of potential. But, uh, Anna, if you're still listening, I see you're still on. But we got this from uh, the idea, really, of I used to drive a truck coast to coast, Anna, and uh, 
uh, along the trucks, we'd get bored and we'd have to keep each other up. Right. And uh, we'd get on our CBs and we'd tell stories. And then when we'd go into the truck stop, we'd have to eat something and then we'd sit together and we'd, you ain't going to believe this. So that's where that came from. But Ronnie, apparently Mel Tillis used to do something because when I pulled up your name on Google to see if our show showed, you know, like our past two or three shows, it has, you ain't going to believe this, Ronnie Dawson, of course, my radio show, TJMRCT Radio, and it had Mel Tillis listed with two or three things. So he must have used to do this stand-up comedy, Mel Tillis. You remember him, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I love Mel Tillis' music, yeah. Yeah, so whenever you Google this, folks, you may see Mel Tillis listed with Ronnie Dawson and Teresa J. Mars or TJ Mars CT Radio. Well, I'm going to turn it back over to you. But, Anna, you're welcome to listen. But uh, we're going to do stories just um, because it helps. It's American culture, folks. Uh, It may be around the world, but fire telling stories. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the other day I got friended by Calvin Parker. You know, he's he's the witness in the Puscagoula UFO. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's Calvin Parker. <laughs> they printed me. And uh, here a while back, Stephen Greer uh, printed me on Link. You know, Stephen uh, Stephen Greer, he's pretty picky about who he who he lets in his circle. So I thought that was a pretty cool deal. So maybe people are starting to figure out who I am exactly. Well, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, yeah, talk about your radio show out there, too. You know, it does. You know, I, I was t- I talked about the, my UFO, my uh, Bigfoot experience there, and let me tell you something that happened years later. Years later, that just uh, shocked me. Okay, uh, I was I was I was hauling crude oil. Okay, I was a hauling crude oil, and they'd sent us out of town, and and I was having a, I had to go out to Carlsbad, New Mexico, and work for two weeks. I mean, when we uh, other areas get behind. They would send drivers out, and we'd have to live out of a motel for a couple of weeks, and it, and it really sucks because uh, you don't know where the oil's at, and you're having to drive around. Sometimes at night, you're trying to find stuff in the dark, and you don't know where any of the main highways are, much less the back roads that lead to some of these uh, storage tank batteries out in the middle of God knows where, and so I was uh, working out of town out in. Carlsbad, and I had to work the night shift, uh, and it's frustrating because you're running out there in the dark, and, and this old truck didn't have very many work lights on it. I mean, you had to have a flashlight to see where you're going, and then you got to watch out for snakes and animals and find where you're going and not wreck the truck. And so I, I'm out there, and I'm uh, finally got my load of oil coming on. I want to walk around my truck to check the tires, make sure I ain't got a flat, because I've been driving through some wild country. So I started walking around my truck, kicking the tires. Well, I walked around the back of my truck, and there are pitiful lights back there. And the flashlight I had was trying to go dead, so I didn't have much of a flashlight either. So I'm walking around the back of that truck basically in the dark, and I bumped into something big and hairy, and my face hit this hair. And whatever this thing was stopped me dead in my tracks. I mean, I was walking. I was 250 pounds, and whatever it was stopped me dead in my tracks. And I felt this big, coarse hair on my face. Well, you know, I always thought I'd be a good soldier if I ever got recruited or something like that. But 
But what happened to me, this shock scared me so bad that my knees started shaking, and I wanted to run, but I couldn't. So, so, I, so I'm basically wobbling back to my truck, shaking, because whatever I walked into stopped me dead in my track. So whatever it is is big. I'm six feet tall, and it's bigger than me because it was taller than me, and, I, and this hair hit my face, and I just stumbled backwards, and I walked back to the truck, it's shaking. And I got back in the cab. Once I got back in the cab of the truck, I was mad at myself, going, you know, you big old chicken, you know. Uh, you should go back there and see what it was. <laughs> and so I started looking around there, and I get my light. I get my lights at work. I change the batteries out, get a brighter light, and I go back out there. I grab my 24-inch pop wrench, and I'm I'm ready to go do battle with whatever's at the back of my truck. So I go walking back there with this flashlight, and I got this pop wrench in my head, and I'm thinking, man, there's a Bigfoot back there or something, because I've seen a Bigfoot earlier in my life, you know? So I don't know. And I, so I, I walk back there, and I turn the back of that truck, and I shine my light on, and, and, and it's got the biggest horse I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's, and this butt's sitting right there in the middle of my bumper, and I walk right into the ass of that thing. <laughs> I walk right into that horse's butt. <laughs> and it's a miracle that thing didn't kick me. <laughs> but that coarse hair that I felt was his tail. <laughs> I walk right into the ass of this big old horse. <laughs> and I thought, okay. Thank God it wasn't Bigfoot, you know. Yeah. But it just goes to show, you know, how when I get really scared, when something shock scares you, my knees go to shaking. And that's the first time that ever happened to me like that. And it's kind of frustrating when you're wanting to run and you're thinking clear, but your legs don't want to work. Yeah. And that same, that, that happened to me back in uh, back in my UFO sighting in uh, March 2nd of 2011. Because when I was sitting there at that tank battery, and I was watching them UFO lights, when I finally seen that UFO coming towards that tank battery, and I was going, oh, my God, i got to do something. i got to get out of here or something like that. And I went down and hid below the tanks, and everything was working right. And when I looked up and seen the edge of that disc blocking out the stars overhead as it was moving over me, my legs did the same thing it did that night. My legs started this shaking thing where I could barely walk, and and uh, and I and people were going, "Why didn't you just run?" I said, "Man, I really wanted to run. I really wanted to run bad, but I, there wasn't no running. My legs wouldn't. Co- I mean, I could barely pull off a walk. And and when I seen that disc, my legs started shaking so bad, I, I couldn't run. And I went over and I hid behind this old separate oil field separator, and this disc was right on top of my head. This and I looked around the side of that thing, and this, this light came up on under this compartment underneath this thing, and it looked like something staring out of this porthole opening window that was suspended from the bottom of this disc. It had this huge white bluish light that just lit up the whole room, except for whatever was standing in the window. And I ducked back in there, and, and I looked around me, and I seen how dark it was, and I guarantee you that... It, I've never been so scared my whole life, man. I just had a feeling that something with long, slimy hands was fixing to come running out of that darkness and grab me. And and I and I grabbed my phone and I thought, you know what? People will never know what happened to me. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna try to get a picture of the craft, and then if nothing else, I'll throw the phone. If I'm attacked, you know, that'd give my wife and family a clue that something went on down here that just caused my disappearance because I thought I wasn't going to be here that much longer 
And uh, I leaned around the corner of that separator. I didn't even bother trying to get the frame of the camera straight. Uh, and uh, I focused it on that compartment with the light on underneath that craft, and I caught the picture. I took one picture of that camera and then put it back in my pocket and just waited to, waited for something to grab me. And uh, in that picture to this day, you know, I, uh, I got a, a video on YouTube. It's called Man Escapes Alien Abduction with Pictures to Prove It. And uh, it, it, it showcases that footage that I took. Uh, we zoom in on it to, to get the best look that I could possibly get. I know it's a poor resolution camera, but, uh, I mean, you can see it well enough that you could tell that it's something very odd, not something you're just going to come across out in the middle of the oil field at night. And uh, and the weird and and uh, after after taking that picture, that thing started the craft backed away, and I never felt so relieved in my whole life that when that craft started backing away, it started backing away from my location. And I thought, my God, thank God! I thought, you know, I, I thought I was going to get taken or something, and they backed away, and that thing backed off out there about 200 yards. All the lights just went out on it, and it's still sitting there. And all of a sudden, I hear I could hear a roar of a jet. Well, this jet, it's like a F, it's like a F-16. I could hear it coming, and it's getting louder and louder. I looked up, actually seeing the craft pass like a hundred. It had to be like I don't know, two or three hundred feet. It looked like above the battery. I mean, you could hear the roar of a jet as it went right over. It went right over that battery. It went right towards that where that UFO had backed and the lights had went out on it. And I was expecting to see a firefight or a collision. And I and I felt like, man, here they are. The military done spotted this thing on radar, coming here to save me. I was never so patriotic in my whole life <laughs> at that point. And I thought, man, they just come in here to save my ass, save the day. And that jet didn't collide, and there wasn't a firefight. And the jet made a big sweeping circle, and that jet headed back in the direction of Dias Air Force Base. And uh, and I was like, "Where are you going, man? <laughs> you know, at least do a figure eight and keep looking for it or something. Don't give up so easy." You know, and this thing wasn't even out of sight. I could still see the lights on the jet when the craft appeared back over the field. Just the craft appeared exactly where the lights had went out on it exactly where the jet had just passed over. I, I have no explanation on how it it can occupy the same space as the jet. You know, the jet should have seen it. The jet should have run into it. You know, and nothing. The jet just passed right through it or over it or around it, and, and uh, the jet left. Well, this thing is backing off out there. The lights would go out. The lights would come on. And I, and I took so many pictures with this little camera I was carrying. I had a Motorola Tundra. It was a flip phone. It was back in 2011. It was like a military-grade flip phone. And it was one of the first phones that came out that had a video, video capabilities as well as camera capabilities. And it was an expensive phone, and that's why I bought it, because I hadn't had much luck carrying cameras because the batteries would go dead with when either the UFO drained them or the batteries would just be dead when I needed the camera to take a picture of the UFO. It was, it, and the camera worked all the time. I could take a picture of anything I saw, but the first time you see a UFO and try to take a picture with it, the batteries are drained, you know? And at one point, the, the camera opened up, and I still got the camera, and the battery went dead, and the camera extended lens, opened, extended all the way open, and, and then it never 
it just power just went out on that thing and to this day it still sits like that i put new batteries in it it would not work right since it's like almost like they did something to it to disable it or something it it, it killed it it stayed dead too so i wanted to do something with the cell phone and the reason that i wanted to use the cell phone is because the battery is better protected it seems like when you're around a ufo that extra coating around the batteries or whatever they do to protect people that carry them is enough to keep the UFO from drain, immediately draining it. So I think the, the cell phones are a great option for catching video footage. And as, and as cell phones are improving and cameras are improving, I expect we will keep catching better footage. And I think some of my footage is some of the most amazing footage that you'll ever see anywhere. And if you want to see it, you can just simply type in Ronnie Dawson UFO on Google. And, uh, and you'll see a lot of the pictures that I've taken with my cell phone of that night. Uh, that happened that night uh, right there on the Google. So you don't have to worry about getting spammed or anything else. And that's and I, I like the way Google's really helped me out. They 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 put me right there. And you type in there's a there's a rockabilly guitar player named Ronnie Dawson. So you have to make sure you don't get on none of his stuff. But you can type in Ronnie Dawson R O N N Y D A W S O N U F O and you you can see right there on Google all the pictures that I've taken will come up right there and you can just look at it right there on Google Images and that's the way I like to tell people just check it out there because I have so much stuff because because uh, after that after the jet went away there was this group of lights that were circling over that location and they circled around for about 10 minutes and it seemed like they were spiraling down and and as this thing spiraled down I started you know, I started looking at my camera and I looked at that memory and I was like, man, I have taken so many pictures of stupid lights out in the darkness because I was just so excited to actually get some UFO pictures. And MUFON had been, you know, telling me, Ronnie, you're seeing, you're finding so many UFO reports, but you never had a picture. You never have a picture. So, yeah, I was like under pressure, like, okay, if you're seeing this stuff, you need to prove it. And I really wanted to prove it. And I know people... People are like me, you know. I want to see some evidence. Show me something. Show me some proof that you saw something, you know. If you're if you're there and you saw it and you have a phone, get a picture of it, you know. But it's harder than you think because, I mean, I've had craft up close and personal, man, like 200 yards away, and I'm getting a good look at rotating lights that are rotating around a disc, and I grab my – I'm like, okay, this is going to be the perfect UFO video. So I grab that camera off the dash of my truck and jump out, and I fling this thing open, and I'm ready to hit it. And this thing is almost like this. you're watching them, but they're watching you back because, uh, I mean, this thing tilted, and it just disappeared. <laughs> and so it was very difficult to get a picture. So when I, when I finally got the opportunity this, that night to get some pictures, man, I got so many pictures of stupid lights over the field. But I didn't know it was going to get any better. You know, I would have saved some space where I could have caught a few more videos and stuff like that. But but uh, these lights, they were spiraling around that location. They were spiraling down, and they were getting to the point they were getting close. And I had the camera ready, and I went around the backside of the truck. I stopped the loading process and shut everything down so I wouldn't have to worry about running my truck over so I stopped the loading process. I went around the other side of my truck where I could get a good picture of this thing, and I could see this thing spiraling in. And as it was spiraling in, the clouds, it looked like a fog bank in the, in the sky above me. Just uh, the, the sky started changing colors, and it, and it looked foggy almost in this one area. It's tempting this, and it had this weird light 
there was a group of lights about this thing, but the, the weirdest light was right on the very tip of it, the leading edge of it. was It had the most weird flash you ever saw. It would be like flash, 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 pause, flash, flash, pause. And it wasn't anything like a repeating light like you'd see on an aircraft. And I thought, well, that's the oddest flash pattern I've ever seen. Well, this was the first thing I seen. It was coming out of the fog, and this this light was flashing this weird pattern. And all of a sudden, I could see it looked like an arrow tip coming out of the fog. And I'm thinking, what in the world is this? And then I see this light, what what I've been calling the light, is actually something hot, and it's reacting to the air passing over it. And it has this weird flash pattern like you've never seen that this thing is just flash, 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 then pause, flash, and then you can see a little bit of sparks and stuff fly off of it. And I'm like, okay, that's not a light. That is something hot that's reacting to the wind passing over it. Well, this thing, I'm thinking, well, this thing has to be, you know, it has to be completely out at some point. It looks like it's going to be V-shaped crap, but it just keeps coming. It keeps coming out of the fog, and it keeps coming out of the fog, and then finally the I realized, man, this thing, what I thought was going to be something fairly small or a group of something, this thing is monstrous, man. I mean, this is giant craft. This thing, it's a, and it ended up being a V-shaped craft. Each half of the V is a half mile long. And and you can't picture what something this big looks like passing over your head. I mean, I've seen some B-52s and stuff like that fly over, and I've been to air shows, and ain't never seen anything this big. This thing looked like it went 100 yards on both sides of me. It was passing slowly over me, and you can, like, you can hear this in the video that I took. You can, and you can't even see the craft yet because I'm thinking I'm taking a picture, but I've actually got a video running. And uh, I'm I'm not I'm not even pointing the camera at it yet. So all you you hear the sound of the truck engine change as this thing's passing over. It's almost like the barometric pressure of the area change. This thing's passing over. I'm looking up. I'm seeing like craters and hit burn marks, and it looks like impact marks. Like it's, it looks more like the surface of the moon than it does anything you can imagine. I mean, there's huge impact craters on it, burn marks. Solid rock. It looks to be solid rock, not metal. Solid rock. And this thing is in a, and it's got a spear tip. Is the first thing I see. The other part of the V is a good ways over, and I actually couldn't even tell that it was a V-shaped craft until it it back it got it went away from me, and then came back and made a, a half a circle later. All I could, I looked over there and I could see, it, man, it looked like it was a mile away. I could still see the bottom of the craft. I was thinking it was just one huge monster craft, but it's, uh, later I found out it, you could see the V. At one point, it tilted just enough that I could see the V instead of it being one solid cigar-shaped craft. And uh, this thing just kept passing over me. And, I, and I, at this point, I was thinking, maybe this is not a UFO. Maybe this is a, a meteor. My God, maybe this is some kind of a giant major. Well, you know, I just survived a UFO that came in there to try to duck me. Here it is, 10 minutes later. Now I'm fixing this after surviving a damn major strike. So it's, at this point, I'm just pretty, like, I'm pretty shook up going, my God, what next? You know, is this a major? This thing looks like a major. Except all of a sudden this thing passes over me and it, and it appears to be slowing down. I'm like, okay, meteors do not slow down. Then I seen a huge pipe-like structure coming out of the rock on the bottom of it. And I'm going, okay, well, meteors don't have pipe structures coming out of the bottom of them. So I'm thinking this has to be 
a mothership. You know, there's no doubt that I just seen a UFO. This is the mothership, part of the same bunch. And this thing is slowing down, slowing down. And then the first part of it that passed over me, now all of a sudden it starts pendulating up. It starts rising up. The, the front part of it, you have to realize it's half a mile away. The front part of it starts pendulating up. Now, this thing is shooting up in the air like a like a skyscraper. Like, I mean, you have to figure it a half mile. I don't know how tall the Empire State Building is. I don't know if it's a half mile tall, but this thing, you know, five down, you know, a mile is 5,400 feet. So, yeah, 2,500 feet. Uh, this thing is rising up in the air now like a skyscraper. It's like a 2,500-foot skyscraper out in the middle of central Texas, you know. This thing is rising up in the air, and I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm, I'm looking at my camera. I, I'm looking at my display screen, and it's you, it's not. I know I, I, I've got to get a picture of this thing, but I want it to be a good picture. I want it to be something that, that have some merit. I want it to be something that has some weight. I'm running out of space, and I know it. And it's got to be good. I'm looking at the display screen, and what I'm seeing is not worthy, not worthy of taking a picture of you. I mean, you would see it, but you wouldn't have any idea what the hell it was. Somebody could just say I was taking a picture of a rock in the dark. So I'm looking for that that amazing shot. I'm watching it. This thing, all of a sudden, it pendulates up, and then it stops going upward, and it's just hanging in the sky. I mean, something this big just hanging there, not making a sound, not dropping in height. I mean, just hanging in the side. All of a sudden, this thing starts to move. It made the, it made the smoothest transition you could ever imagine. I mean, it made a 90-degree turn, and it was so smooth, it, it actually slowed to a stop. And as soon as it stopped, it started going the other way, slowly and smoothly. And then it has started accelerating so rapidly that once it changed direction, that it was just unimaginable. The jet didn't have anything on on the speed that this thing took off. I mean, this is this thing is it's right here over North Central Texas. I filed a, a FAA low craft report over this sighting, and uh, and the FAA they did their little investigation, and we had a phone conference meeting, and they told me that all known aircraft in that area were accounted for and they should that I should report my UFO the term they described what I was looking at to New Fork National UFO Reporting Center and they give me New Fork's number to report this thing and uh, and, and it just it's like okay so I don't know what it is and apparently the FAA don't know what it is either but if a half if a mile long craft can come in, in the north central Texas and fly within a thousand feet over the surface of the Texas ground that's supposed to be what we call our airspace unprovoked, undetested and, it, and it's like well whose airspace is it really? It certainly isn't ours if something like this can come flying in and uh, and this thing it took off so so smooth, so fast I mean, next thing you know this thing is blitzing away now I'm still having taking my opportunity to catch a picture yet. So I'm starting to panic. I'm going, my God, the way, the way this thing is moving, I may miss the shot altogether. If it keeps going that fast and accelerating that speed, it's going to be out of sight in no time, even as big as it is. 
So I'm starting to panic a little bit, and I'm looking at my display screen, and there's complete blackness. There's nothing. There's I can't even. This craft is huge in the sky to the naked eye. You couldn't miss it if you were there. You couldn't help but to see it. It's over the trees, everywhere. It's filling the whole sky. The biggest part of the sky at times is full of the craft, and there's no doubt that anybody could see it if you were there. And I'm looking at my camera, and it's showing me a black display screen, and my heart just sinks because I'm thinking, my God, this is the most amazing sight that anyone had ever seen in the history of man, and I'm not going to have any evidence to prove it at so whatsoever. The opportunity of a lifetime is fixed to be blown, and I'm just my heart just sank. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm not going to let this thing get away. I'm going to point out the camera at it, and I'm going to take my shot. And I'm going to be steady. I'm going to be still. I'm going to try to get the best shot I can. So I'm aiming my camera. I'm steadying myself. Well, all of a sudden, this thing does something I did not expect it to do. And it did it to speed. I I can't imagine how I could even do it. But this thing did an absolute flip. I was looking at the bottom of it. It flipped. It flipped in the air and and did a 90-degree turn. And it was coming straight back to me. Almost like a boomerang, it went, and then all of a sudden it came back. It started coming back. But this time, at the bottom of it, flipped away from me, and for the first time, I could see the top of this thing. And the top of this thing was a V-shaped craft in it, and it had, you could see structure on the top of it. You could see towers. You could see lights. I could see a fluorescent, glowing blue, power line-looking thing that was growing this bright blue neon light that stretched across the surface of it like a power line and I could see these odd structured buildings I could see a huge tire that had the the largest light source on the whole craft on it I could see a row of burning flares it was like these giant jetting flares that were like shooting this large burst of like they were burning like a refining process or something there was they they weren't jets like propelling anything and they were just burning uh burning some kind of flammable material and blowing it across the top of the craft i don't know if it's for man it may be for making clouds you know or something like that i don't know what it was doing you could even see the smoke stream from the from the fire that this thing is whatever's burning it's kicking out some smoke and uh and you know you can see in some of the pictures I took there on Google that the, you can see the smoke stream on this thing where it's burning. And uh, like I said, I took this picture from a mile away and it did its flip. And I and I and I clicked my camera. Well, this thing I got the picture of the top of this thing. Thank goodness in my video. And it drops a little bit. It starts coming back at me. And my camera. Uh, took the video. It's like 15 seconds of footage. I caught the left half of the V. And the top part of the craft, I've got on top of the craft, I've got the buildings, the structures, and stuff like that. It's all caught on this piece of video. And like I said, this video is—it's not a great video. But what we were, what we've been doing as of late was we started breaking this video down into steel frames and using some of the best software that we can find. And uh, here, in I think in about 2006. I went from seven steel frames that were just terrible to 26 steel frame images. And and those steel frame images, what I thought might happen did happen. I was looking for that sweet spot in the video 
where the camera's eye, the camera's lens, the lighting and the movement and everything. And I was looking for that clear picture, that that that, that needle in the haystack of a blurry video. And and that's exactly what we found. I found it. There's several areas in there when the camera's eye was just at the right place, and certain parts of the craft come really clearly into view, and you can really see what's there. And what's what's there is very odd. It, it, you can't say this thing is secret space program. This thing looks like it's never been touched by human hand. I mean, just the, the way the buildings are, they look like something that you might find on the ocean floor. Uh, I mean, it actually, hell, it may, this thing may have been underwater. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it almost looks like coral on the surface of this. Of the buildings look like they have a coral coating on them almost. And uh, like big two, three-story buildings just stacked tightly together. And and so we start, I started looking, I'm looking at this thing and I'm, I'm looking through the steel frames and I'm trying to find stuff that you just, you know, and some of the stuff I found was, I found this, the first thing we come up, there's this lady on YouTube actually saw it before I did. She started pointing out, hey, man, there's this big four-legged creature there on the snow. What? And kind of crackpot am I talking to here? I mean, I'm looking for alien artifacts. I'm looking for machinery. I'm looking for anything that I can identify and, and I got someone telling me there was a creature on the surface of this thing and I'm like right right and then finally I had to tell them okay you know I, you know, I ain't going to doubt you I'm just saying can you circle the part because this is like a big craft and this is a big picture and there's a lot in it and I'm like okay I don't know if she's, what she's telling me is big I don't know where it's located I'm like tell me what you're seeing where you're seeing it so she drew a circle around it and I and I looked at that, and I zoomed in on it, and I got some p- clearer pictures that nobody had ever seen yet. And I zoomed in it, and I'm like, "Oh my God, what in the world is that?" You know, I've been looking, I've been staring at these pictures for years, and never saw it because I wasn't looking for creatures. I was looking for alien artifacts and stuff like that, machinery, stuff like that, and I never looked for a, a creature. There's this. It looks like a dog-looking, like a pit bull-looking creature, and you can see the muscle in its legs. You can see the tail on the thing, and it's got this weird head. It's got this big, flat face, two horns like a bull on it with a flat face that almost looks like a damn snake, and... uh, and I just, man, to this day, I'm just kind of blown away as to what this was, you know. And then I heard about the Skinwalker Ranch thing where they were talking about the big wolf-like creature. And I'm going, holy cow. You know, I might just have a picture of what those guys seen over there that, that they didn't manage to get a picture of, you know. And I thought, well, you know, maybe it's just – but, you know, I can't tell you that it's not – maybe it's like a sculpture. Maybe it's a – it's a sculpture. Maybe it's some kind of a sculpture. And then I thought, man, you know, maybe this is like a zoo. Maybe these guys are going around a different planets and gathering stuff up and putting it in a zoo or something. And maybe it was, this thing is a, a hostage for somewhere else. And I thought, well, you know, they give me a good hard look and they realized that I was, uh, I'd be too much of a pain ass to take care of it. They didn't want to mess with it. I don't know why they didn't want me, but they, they could have been that they looked at me and decided they, I'd be too much trouble to take care of and didn't want to mess with the hassle. So I'm thinking, well, what else is on this thing? So we've been looking at this, and I'm brightening the image up so you can see it a little bit better. I'm not doing any 
you know, and I've had people vet this video to pieces. I mean, I've even, the American Skeptic Society one time asked me if they could uh, could do a debate on it, and I gave them permission to and sent them all the original videos and <coughs> and images and stuff. And I guess they they looked at it and they come up and they tested it and they did everything they could think and they said, well, yeah, it's kind of undecided either way, you know. They couldn't really disprove it. And that was the whole point of using it, I guess. But uh, so I, I've I've had a lot of people vet this footage, and and uh, they can tell you that it's not manipulated by any software or anything like that. I don't even own Photoshop, much less knowing how to use it. And but I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if this thing's on there, what else could be on there? So I'm looking at the dark reaches of this thing, and we add some brightness to it, and I keep trying different software to get this thing cleared up, and I I finally found some that worked amazingly good. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is some of the best images I've seen. I said, well, let's brighten it up and look into some areas I haven't got to see yet. And when I did, we, I see there's there's this thing over I don't even know what to call it until I started I started really working on it to get add some brightness to it and some contrast to it where you could see it better. And then once I did see it, what it is is just completely baffling. This thing is... 40 feet tall. It has to be. I recorded this video at a mile away. This thing has to be 40 feet tall, as tall as a tall telephone pole. Towering over the craft surface. It looks completely insect. And you can see it well enough that you can see, you can even see the insect mouth on it. You can see that this thing has long arms that stretch out of its back. They come out of its back like a spider. It looks like it's kind of got a body like a praying mantis, but the arms come out of the back of it instead of out of the chest like a praying mantis arms do. And these arms are incredibly long. This thing has such an amazing reach like nothing I've seen here. I showed this image to a zoologist, and I said, have you ever seen anything like this and he goes he goes I, I've seen everything he goes but I've never seen that he goes where exactly did you get that and I, I told him I said that I found this on top of a UFO surface it's, it's a v-shaped craft it's, it's a mile in length each half of the V would be a half mile long and then the guy just kind of went quiet you know and he goes well, it's he goes I've never seen that I said, I cannot identify that particular animal. I said, it's not, nothing I've see, ever seen. He said, and I've seen just about every insect on the planet. And he said, I, I've never seen anything like that. So uh, the zoologist was blown away. But he wasn't willing to put his name out there. And I don't blame him uh, be ridiculed along with me for seeing the daggum thing or believing the thing. So he didn't want his name associated with it, but he did state off the record that it was completely freaked out by whatever this thing was. And those images are on Google as well that you can see it. Uh, I think it's uh, insectoid. It's, it's, a, it's the best. It's the biggest capture of a alien insectoid that anybody's ever produced that I've seen. I, I haven't seen a any picture out there that's any better than this thing and it is scary big you know and they want to tell you that all aliens are small and gray and have these big cute eyes and they're very fragile and we could break them if we want well this thing right here both of these things actually are so big like that dog-like creature uh, the size of it compared with the distance that I took that picture 
this thing would have to be 40 feet long, 20 feet tall. And if it was running through your neighborhood, you, you <laughs> it would be very bad for everybody involved. This thing is a giant creature. It would be a giant creature down here on the ground. It would be huge. I can't guarantee it's a creature. Could this be a statue? Oh, both of them could be statues. Or I've even thought that maybe they could be some kind of a like a me- a skin on a mechanism, like like we might put a skin on a dozer to make it you know, like a triceratop or something like that, you know. Uh, and if they fly these metallic things, and it might be something we have to do, like if we have metallic, if we fly into atmospheres that have a lot of acid and stuff like that, we might have to put a skin of some sort on our machinery. So, you know, so maybe these are biomechanisms that are actually machines that have a skin like an animal. Maybe they an animal they came across in their travels. Who knows? I can't begin to explain what the hell these things are or who came up with them or how the idea came about them or if they're actual genuine creatures or maybe they are creatures that they've taken from other worlds and they're going to put in some kind of some kind of a zoo somewhere out, out there on some planet. But But those pictures are absolutely amazing and then I thought, well, you know, there, there can't be any more. I'm not even, you know, I don't see any more. Well, there turned out to be, I came across a third one on that same craft. And you have to realize that this this V-shaped craft, I mean, at the way it moved, we couldn't build anything like that. It would break up. Moving at that kind of speed and stopping as quick as it did, it would just break into pieces and fall to the ground. And it's a shame this thing didn't fall to the ground. This thing would be so big that you would need a golf cart to drive around it. There wouldn't be no way the government could hide it. Because, like I said, each half of the V is a half mile long. This thing, you would need a golf cart or a pickup or a Jeep or something to drive around this thing. It would, it would be almost two miles in distance just to drive around this thing. And and this thing would be so big on the ground, there wouldn't be any hiding it. It would just crush anything it fell on it. It has this great mass and great size. You'd fly an airplane over it. You could see it from, you could probably see it from outer space, as big as it is. If it, it had fell to the ground, it came within what looked like a thousand feet or less of the ground. So it came very close to the ground. And I could almost feel the pressure of the ground. I did not see any wind as a result of it, but it did feel like the atmospheric pressure around me changed. It, it felt like, uh, this thing had that fog coming off of it was like it came from outer space and it was so cold that the change in the temperature created the fog. Just the cold surface being next to the the warm air was what, what was causing the fog at, when it first came in, and and it almost did feel like the temperature. It it felt like it almost warmed up when this thing went over me, and the the sound of the truck engine changed, and you can hear that on the video that I took, and. It, it could explain some of the, the change in the pressure of the area and stuff like that. So, and uh, this thing was—I caught that clip of video, and this thing was moving back at me. And so now I'm like, first I'm afraid I'm going to miss the shot. Now I've caught the shot. Now this thing's coming at me. Now, now I'm looking back at my truck, and I'm thinking about crawling up underneath the, the drive wheels of the tractor to, to hide again. So that's how it, it's coming back at me now, and I'm starting to freak out again i'm starting to get scared so then it it stops stops in its place and then it slowly makes this half circle around my location it it starts accelerating upward at a at a 45 degree angle 
and it went from being a mile-long craft flying over the surface of the ground in north central texas to some dots moving across the sky just like what i seen coming in earlier and it didn't take about two and a half seconds for that to happen so this thing when it took off i mean man it it took off big time something that big went from something very tiny moving across the sky in just a matter of seconds and there's nothing out there that we got can do anything like that it was just amazing and I've got Mary here. Mary, would you like to say hello? <laughs> no. Hi, Mary. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> she says no, huh? She, she says no. Come I'm on, man. Be, she want to be <laughs> Well, you know, it's gonna stay here, so what you know, but if you if you can keep you know, keep it up, we'll keep the show going every Saturday for two hours. But you know, if you can find people who even come by and just share a story, it'll help you keep it going, you know. I'd invite Jan, but like I said, you're in the middle of something, and she came on and stayed a few minutes and then left, because I know she's got lots to do over there. But, you know, oh, I'm yeah. sure you can figure out something. You're bound to know other people that have stories. Just invite them over, like you said on oh, Saturday they do. night. I, I and, a lot of them. They're scared that, you know, being on the radio, being on the radio is like being on TV. Yeah. You know, they're scared <laughs> you know, First like, oh, time no, it I is, they get used to I it. I can't tell it on the air. I can say it, I, you in person, but I can't tell it on the air. You know, people are just oh. scared to death. Oh. Uh, well, you never you know, know what, you know, I, but we may not have heard the stories. The trick is that we want to hear things we haven't heard before, you know. But, right. I mean, we've heard all the Burr Rabbit, but, uh, you know, the thing is with the COVID virus, a lot of people are getting on and doing funny things just for entertainment, you know. Ha- have y'all right. been having to wear masks over there or no? Uh, they, the masks have been kind of optional, but there are starting to be places now, like the, some of the stores won't let you in unless you have a mask on. Uh, wow. I know they have to social distancing, and then they just opened Texas back up. So the restaurants are open again now. And, of course, the virus is taking off pretty good. <laughs> but it's it's not quite as bad. Well, we don't – I guess we'll see here in about a month. But uh, Did y'all ever know anybody that caught it? I never met anybody that did. I think one of my did wife's you? family that lives out, I think, in Florida actually got it. Down here. Some distant kin of hers has it, but that's the huh. only person. We only have five cases in our county. Five cases. Oh, you so. did have five cases. So you know who they are? Are they real? I mean, one thing no, about reporting for real is finding out the real truth, not just hearsay, right? Because hearsay is not submissible in court, but they expect us to believe the news. Just know because it was hearsay, you know? Well, yeah, we've got a lot of friends that work up at the hospital, and you know they, there, there are there are some cases of it. They're just not a lot. Not as uh, it's not as bad as they had you know, made it like it sound like it's going to be. So the nurses well, have all we been. Don't, yeah, well, you know, even that kind of story. If you want to just do some reporting, sometime. Just cite your sources like a good journalist. I'm a member of uh, SPJ, Society of Professional Journalists. So, you know, if people don't want to tell a, a funny story or 
something based on their own personal experiences, they may want to talk about, I like, you know, something people just want to talk about. But anyway, we have we have the time set aside just for you, Ronnie. So, and you ain't going to believe this, which I think is a good topic, and Janet liked it too. You just can't run out of material because one thing radio doesn't like is dead air. <laughs> oh, I know. So, no. But I think it's a good idea, and, uh, you know, if you say, well, folks, we're going to do something different tonight, because for me, two hours is always way short, but I've been doing it eight years, you know. So right. how you feel? You you hanging in there? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. We, can, uh, we only got like uh, 17 minutes left in the show, so I don't think 17 yeah. minutes is going to be Good. Okay. Well, I'm gonna turn it over to you, and then, uh, you know, at the end, uh, you got you got the time right. So, uh, folks, we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Ronnie Dawson of Texas, and you can find him on Facebook or right here, and on YouTube, and iHeart, and Spotify, and Spreaker, and Stitcher, and FM Radio, and all kind of places. It's, I pay extra money after this many years. I figured out where I want to be and what I want to be doing. So. I don't have to go by the numbers on just one place because I spread it out all over the place. And uh, people like our UFO shows. We Thursdays, we do psychic readings, and Sunday's sort of a spiritual show. And um, Thursdays are the ones that Anna likes. Uh, so Anna, we're doing Thursdays for psychic readings with Suzanne. And then uh, this one, and then Tuesday night, I'm going to start having people help with getting their businesses back going again with different men on Tuesdays for entrepreneurs about business and what we're doing together to, you know, have a nice community and business and entrepreneurs. So if y'all have got an idea, let Ronnie or me know. But, Ronnie, uh, pick up some more people in Texas or just go out like man on the street and take your phone and call me if you got – all you need is service on your cell phone, I guess, and – you know, talk to people about how their business is going back up or whatever. It's just you ain't going to believe this, but we got UAP for Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, uh, folks, UAP.associates. And then Ronnie will be on ACIR.radio. That's ACIR.radio with me. And uh, we'll put uh, – I'll grab these shows he does and put them on a Ronnie Dawson page. I got your picture in front of that mountain on one of my pages then I, I'll just go put them on that one because I can't get it back. I want you to send me some more pictures. I've used all the ones with different girls in them on the last two shows. Yeah, I'm always I'm real ugly. I don't take good pictures. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you do. You're not bad looking, and I'm sure you're much better looking when you were younger, but you're a distinguished looking man. And I'm sure yeah, and, just, and, uh, your wife likes you. Good-looking women, yeah. I surround myself with good-looking women, and that way nobody – it makes me look a lot better. <laughs> well, I've got a bunch of them up here. One of them you're smiling real big. Is the redhead your wife? Oh, that was uh, – I think it's the old stepdaughter that dressed up going to the prom, I think, is one you're talking about. There's several up here. Folks, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash TJ Morris ET Radio. Like our like – our, uh, page but if you go to this show uh there's pictures seven to ten pictures a week but tonight this one's called uap talk shows live dash you ain't gonna believe this exclamation point ronnie dawson and then tj marcy radio shows so people will start knowing where to find us because that's the 
brand of the name of the show I've had for since June 3rd, 2012, T.J. Mars E.T. Radio Show. So T.J. Mars E.T. Radio, I mean, <laughs> I've got shows, but that's the way that y'all can find us. I put Janet's name here on the, but she uh, should probably put it on hers, too. She syndicates on Spreaker and other places, too, Ronnie. Well, you got 12 more minutes, but every week you can, you know, maybe just get ready. I'll just keep saying it, but I'm going to put series, and then I'll put episode. And uh, if you email it when it comes to you to TJ Mars Agency at Gmail, you can uh, TJ Mars Agency at Gmail, folks. I've got director at UAP Associates. It'll still go to TJ Mars. I mean, yeah, TJ Mars Agency. But uh, Ronnie, send me what, you know, if you think you're going to have several people or several talk or just let me know. Or just give me a call, folks, uh, 850-376-9100. That's my personal uh, cell phone for business. Then uh, if you call in here, just uh, Ronnie, just tell them, call in to listen and put it on your Facebook every week. And then grab this one. Uh, you can go up, folks, to TJ Mars ET Radio. Just plug it into Google whatever. And, and go to the uh, the one, or just click on it. Go to that location, and then go to whichever show you want. Like Ronnie's tonight, and on the right hand side, Ronnie, you can download it right into your computer to reuse it. And you know you can cut and paste the link and put it wherever you want it on domains or whatever. But you can download oh, yeah. the show right into your computer on the right hand side. It'll have a a little download cloud. And you may have to click it a couple times or see different computers do it different ways. So you can start keeping your own archives so you don't lose your work on here, you know, into your computer and then put them on a thumb drive or something. But you can figure that out. But in the meantime, yeah. it's always here. I haven't lost any of my archives except the ones I deleted, like a dum-dum, because some of the people are dead now, like Stanton T. Friedman. But depending on what night we got what person – and what genre or category will depend on what we talk about. If you folks wonder what I'm doing after this many years, I'm trying to keep like Saturday nights more entertainment, TJ Mars Entertainment Agency I've got. And we're just doing, you know, you ain't going to believe this, stories like we've told that truck stops are sitting around a campfire. Or whether it's true or not, that's up to you to decide. But, you know, Ronnie's got a lot of things that happened to him really strange anyway. So did I. So uh, we just sort of got together, and I thought you were somebody else with uh, somebody else that came on one time with the UAP group, but you didn't go to any UAP groups, did you? That no, you went no, to with Roswell. Yeah, yeah. No, I've never been to a UAP group. No. Okay. Well, I gotta go answer the door. My dinner's here. I did a whatever that they deliver. Uh, Grubs Grubhub. Okay, well, you got the last 10 minutes. Okay, here you go. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on mute to make sure I'm mute me and not you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, the other day we found out that the Roswell UFO Festival has been canceled, and it, it, it broke my heart, man. I thought that, that was the one UFO festival I was going to be able to make. <laughs> and. And they were and they were talking. They were talking big there for a while. They were saying, "Yeah, we're not afraid of the coronavirus, and this is a very inhospitable place in Roswell at, at that time of year for viruses." And uh, they weren't scared. And we we're going on with it. And I was excited. You know, I had my room booked, and I had buddies from uh, UFO Buster Radio down in San Antonio that I've been friends with for years. I've never got to meet. You man, we're gonna take all these guys from the UBR Facebook group. We're all going to get together, and I'm finally going to meet some of these guys. And then 
had my hopes up and had my room, and then the, the other day they said we canceled. They canceled it. Yeah. Disappointing. That just did absolutely heartbreaking. So, and I've already been planning a vacation around that thing. <laughs> so now, now I've got to figure out. Now I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with my vacation time. And, and uh, I tell you, right now is not a great time to be working the oil field. I work in. The, I still work in the oil field. And the other day they laid. We laid off 11 drivers. And uh, luckily, my seniority has got me secure for a while. Uh, I've been with the same company like 16 years, so I'm going to be one of the last ones to go, but we may all go. It's uh, the, the oil field is just terrible right now. I mean, the price of oil is – it costs $28 a barrel to get a to, $28 to get a barrel of oil out of the ground. And I think the price they're paying for May is like $13 or something like that. And uh, and we're going in the hole paying that, and we still can't get nobody to sell their oil, and and so this is, uh, nobody's making any oil, and and they're shutting the wells down, and the oil field is just uh is ticking down like a clock, you know. And uh, I know that they said in the in the Mississippi there's just all these tankers full of oil that the refineries don't need because the economies are shut down, and. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to the oil. You know, if I had it my way, we'd just send all that overseas oil home and just use our oil. And wouldn't that be nice to like use American oil for a change instead of importing? Because every every tanker full of oil we import over here, we we export uh, like a just tons and tons of money to overseas to people who don't like us. You know, and that's just it's really frustrating. You know. And, uh, and you need you have people that need to work, and we have the oil to supply America's needs, and we're going to have to get creative to do it. I don't doubt that, uh, but we've got that kind of people here, and we have that kind of technology available to do this stuff. You know, with, with some of these new oil that we find and this stuff like that, we're we're finding incredible amounts of oil, and it, and we were even talking about exporting America's oil for the first time ever here a while back. And uh, so we're making a lot of oil. We don't need overseas oil. And let them keep it, you know. And uh, but you know, so many people don't want to do that, you know. We're so used to paying our money, and they're so relying upon our money that God only knows the world to fall to pieces if we quit paying them our money, you know. So uh, I don't know, but things gonna have to be different. I know it's tough out here in the oil field, and I feel for all these guys that are that are getting laid off out here trying to make ends meet. And I understand. I know, man. We had five-year hands, uh, five-year employees that that went down the road the other day, you know. And this was their livelihood, and now it's gone. So I, you know, I'm lucky to have some seniority and not be one of them. And my family is grateful, too, because I'm the sole provider of my family. So, But uh, I want to thank you guys for being here and listening to the show. And uh, and like I said, I don't – I have a lot of – I have a lot of UFO experience uh and uh, and I'll try to keep it up as long as I can, you know. And I, I've still got. Uh, I came across. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Beck Spear, and I'm thinking maybe next week we can talk about that. What the Beck Spear is. I found a guy down in Santa Ana, Texas, who has something that's very similar to the Beck Spear, and I went down and checked it out, and it blowed me away. And I've got some videos of it on on my YouTube channel, the Ronnie Dawson YouTube channel, and uh, 
and like I said, it, it it'll blow you away. I think we'll I think we'll talk about that next week. And uh, man, it is. I've even talked to TTSA who's interested in this thing. So I mean, it's 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 been it's out there. It's getting some publicity. Uh, not many people know about it. I've done a few radio shows talking about it, and the and the man who had in possession of it who, and it, the story's having some growing pains right now because there's some members of his family don't want the public to know that he has a piece of a UFO. Of course, would you think about it? You know, uh, and he's open about it. He wants to talk about it, but there's other people in his family that ain't, and they don't like me bringing it in into the public so everybody knows. So I'm kind of stuck in between uh, what different people in his family want, but I'm also uh, a ufologist. You know, I want to know the truth. I want to get to the truth. I want to show you the truth. I want to. I've seen the truth. I know the truth. I mean, I don't have to get disclosed by the government. ET disclosed to me that he's here. You know, he flew some UFO over my head. They they came into my bedroom and pulled me out of my sleeping body for a conversation. I've been up close and personal with these things. I know they're here. I know they want to make contact. I don't know when they're going to do it, but uh, they've showed me some of the stuff they can do, and it is absolutely mind-boggling. It's like it, is, it would be centuries before we could get to where they are. And and even as technologically advanced as they are, they've admitted to me that they've been to war with an even more advanced species that came in basically and tried to shove them around, and they had to form a federation fight back. And, and I'm thinking, my God, if those kind of guys happen on us, we're completely screwed. Yeah. If those guys... As technologically advanced as they are, they said they almost got wiped out. They said, imagine an enemy that can show up without, be on you in a second without any advance notice because these things were using uh, interdimensional travel. And these guys were, they were very interstellar knowledgeable, but they hadn't done the interdimensional travel. They had to go, they had to get schooled on interdimensional travel and they had to do it quickly because they, they ended up in a war with a species who could interdimensionally appear and attack you and then leave without any notice. So you can imagine fighting a war like that. It, it was tough. And when they finally killed, when they finally managed to kill one of these things, they thought they were, uh, you know, there for a while, they said that they thought that they were invincible, that they were like godlike, you know, that they couldn't be destroyed, that they couldn't die. When they finally killed one, they told me, they said, they've got this thing, and this is like an intergalactic. Uh, this is this is something that whole got the intergalaxy where they're, they're at. They everybody wants to come see this thing. You know, it's that amazing that everybody in their whole galaxy come, travels over here to see this thing. It's like going to see the Grand Canyon here in the United States. You know, tourists, interstellar tourists just flock to this thing, and well, they managed to kill the first. That is like their Grand Canyon on this one planet that they got this thing on. I was like, man, I want to see that thing myself, whatever it is. So Somebody from gonna... San Jose showed up. <laughs> yeah, you want to say hi, San Jose, to Ronnie? Hey, how's it going? Uh, now we got like two minutes left in the show here. Before we end up having to close, 
we hope you guys enjoyed the show. It's been fun putting it on, and we're going to try to keep on. And uh, my son is sitting here cheering. He's been listening to the whole thing. He's excited. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, let him say hi. <laughs> there he says hi. <laughs> hi. How many children do you have? Uh, I've got uh, three at home right now, and I've got one that lives in Colorado that's got two grandkids. Oh, well, they can get on Google. Uh, the kids ought to be excited to see Grandpa. Just go to Ronnie, you know, Ronnie Dawson, you ain't going to believe this, on Google or TJ T Radio, pull it up either way. And but this one says UAP Talk Shows Live. I took out a domain name called Talk Shows Live. I'll probably just start listing our shows on there. I've got UAP Associates, but whatever. I've got different ways to market, but I'm paying for so much to get this out. I'm sure that People will start hearing about you, Ronnie, and it'll be all over. But, folks, be sure to meet him at Roswell now. He takes that trip to Roswell every year. So July 4th weekend, we celebrate usually July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. For yeah, they canceled Ronnie it. At, they just canceled it. Yeah, it's done. They did? Not, yeah, they canceled it. Darn it. my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to have the Olympics then, September yeah, in, in Tokyo. Tokyo. Well, folks, we'll keep your... you need a UFO speaker, call Ronnie Dawson. I would love to do some speaking at a UFO conference and show my pictures and stuff. I think you'd yeah, be Yeah, you got a PowerPoint. They want PowerPoints, but get in touch with, uh, oh, what is that big UFO? There's IUFO Congress. Now, I don't know if they're going to have it in downtown Phoenix or not, but look up International UFO Congress, Ronnie. you got to submit yourself. They don't just go looking for people. And it takes a year or two to get on most of the conferences. And then the other one that I help is, uh, let's say I help a para- paranormal conference. Now, there's Mid-SouthCon, but you got to get yourself there. You can get on with Mid-SouthCon in Memphis. I spoke there on the paranormal panel. And then we have the Pyramid Conference in Chicago I support. And uh, uh, the other one, oh, uh, oh, what is his name? Is it Don? Who's the big guy that's been around forever? He started off with Wendell Stevens. What's his name? Oh, Bob Brown Productions. He lives in Colorado, but he does the one out there where Paula Harris does out there in Laughlin. So you need to call or get uh, email him. I'll, uh, but get with, I didn't know you wanted to do that, but you have to submit, Ronnie. So go on Google and look at all the UFOs. You have to submit a year or two years before you even get to get it get in. So I'm on the list for I'm on the list for Bob Brown for uh, next year because he barely got in under the COVID wire in February of this year. So it's probably going to be uh, UFOs next year. But I do help people. Uh, we have agents, consultants. And organizers, folks, and we have Authors Club. If you're an author, if you're not writing your book, please start. Ronnie's got one. Ronnie, your book's on Amazon, right? Tell them what the name of your yes. book is. It's a Ronnie Dawson UFO story on Barnes and Noble. You can get it on Amazon. You can even order it through Walmart. Okay, folks, and be sure and like us. Uh, uh, Ronnie, you haven't even liked us yet. Go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash TJ Radio, Ronnie, and like us. Okay, okay, follow us or whatever that whatever that is, and tell all your friends too to keep us on the air. 
And uh, we'll be back next Saturday. And Ronnie, you grab this and put it on your page and tell your friends. And you know we got Patreon, folks. We're going to make a video, a uh, better quality video, if y'all want to promote us on Patreon. And we got projects we're working on. If you're interested in working with my paranormal or UFO or spiritual community, we're having a lot of fun just meeting each other. Thank you, Ronnie. You did a good show tonight. It, we appreciate you running this series for us. So, folks, thank you so much. And I will be back. Let's see, this is Saturday. So uh, I'm going to do I'll do Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for sure. Love and light, everybody. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you. Julia. Stay in touch now. Stay in touch, okay. everybody, on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. Love and light. See you next week.